Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. If you would turn with me in your Bibles, let's go over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 13. Well, let's just back up. Let's just back up to verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. I so appreciate, I have a message out there out of this verse. Called, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is this treasure in earthen vessels? It's the life of God. Jesus, remember what Jesus said? He said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The eternal life of God. Uh, everything that is connected to that life. And it's so rich that, the, that all Paul could do was call it a treasure. So he says, while we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of ourselves, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. I so appreciate this. Notice, Paul stated the opposition, then he answered it. In the first phrase, he states the opposition. We're troubled on every side. Now he answers it, yet not distressed. Then he states the trouble. We're perplexed. Then he states states the answer, but not in despair. Then he states the opposition. Persecuted. Now is the answer to that, but not forsaken. Then he says, cast down, but not destroyed. Amen. Amen. You have to answer every opposition. Verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest. In our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Why? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us but life in you. And look at verse 13. Now see he's talking about this opposition and and the answer to opposition. Then he says, verse 13, the key. We having... The same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So how do you, when opposition shows up, how are you able to answer it? With the spirit of faith. You have to have the spirit of faith in your mouth. I tell you what this last day era calls for is the operation of the spirit of faith. Now he tells you what the, how the spirit of faith acts. You believe, therefore you speak. Couldn't we say this? You believe, therefore you act. The spirit of faith is not just what you believe. The spirit of faith is how you act. The spirit of faith is how you speak. And uh, if you want to know whether or not you have the the spirit of faith, you you can't look at what you believe and know whether or not you have the spirit of faith. You understand that? You cannot look at what you believe and decide whether or not you have the spirit of faith because demons also believe. It's not believing that determines whether or not you got the spirit of faith. I said it's not believing that determines whether or not you've got the spirit of faith operating and moving in your life. 
If you just believe and you stop at that, now you got demon faith. Because that's as far as the, the faith of demons go. They believe and that's it. But the spirit of faith has not only, not only does it believe, but it says, therefore we speak. Well, how many of you know speaking is an action? Amen. Speaking is not simply a confession only because there's a lot of people making dead confessions, useless confessions. Why? Because they're not saying it from a place of believing. You got to have the believing and the speaking, the believing and the acting, the believing and making movement. Amen. So that if you're operating with the spirit of faith, just to say, I believe God can do it, or I believe, you know, I, I believe what the, the way the pastors taught us. It's not enough to say you believe it. You have to be acting. Let me say, you got to be a doer. This is what James called it. If you got the spirit of faith, you're a doer of the things you hear. If all, if all you do is hear and say, amen, praise the Lord, and then go out and live the same way you were, that's equal to demon faith. Because demon faith never took it into action. It always just believed and that's it. Well, praise the Lord. It's the truth. And so people are deceived because they think, well, I believe God can heal. Yeah, but if you don't act on it, it doesn't matter that you believe God can heal. You don't have the spirit of faith. I don't care how long you've heard it and how many times you can confess it. Well, praise the Lord, because I tell you what, the body of Christ is in a, uh, it has, it's been in a famine of the spirit of faith. There's been a famine of the spirit of faith. Because there's been so many people that have drifted away from it. Why did they ever drift away? Because they only believed something. They didn't have the spirit of faith. They believed the principles that Dad Hagen brought to the body of Christ. But because they didn't have the spirit of faith, they never acted on it. Therefore, it didn't become a flow of their life. Therefore, they could easily turn their back on it and go another direction. But when you got the spirit of faith, there's no way you're walking away from the thing that sustains you. You're keep, I mean, when you're a doer, you're a doer every day. Amen. You're not a doer just, just in a certain season when you like the preaching. You're a doer every single day. You're not just a doer because it's church that day. I don't know. I don't know. Is your midweek service tonight? Is this your midweek service? You're, you're, not, you're not just a doer because you're at church on... As somewhat the spirit of faith, you're a doer on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday. It's their lifestyle. The just shall live by faith. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not enough to believe. Do you know you could believe that God exists and still go to hell? Because the word said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. It doesn't say whosoever shall believe shall be saved. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. So the spirit of faith is not just about believing something. It's about doing something. And until you've moved into the doing, you don't have the spirit of faith operating. Do you know you can be operating in the spirit of faith in one arena and not in the spirit of faith with another arena? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. It's true anyway. I said it's true anyway. And that's why we've seen so many over the last 10 to 15 years turn and walk away from it. You say, why do they do that? I can tell you why. They didn't have the spirit of faith. Just because you can preach faith principles, that does not equal the spirit of faith. Thank God, Dad Hagen took faith principles and explained them so clearly and easily. He put handles on that thing for us so that we could easily handle it. But still, principles are not the doing of it. Amen. So make sure in your life it's not just you believing something, but it's you doing what you believe. 
I said, it's you doing. And we all have to make sure we're checking on ourselves to make sure we're doing it. Because sometimes we think just because we know it, that equals doing. And it doesn't equal doing. Just because you know Jesus is a heater doesn't mean, yet that it doesn't mean you're a doer of the word. Just because you know that he'll supply all your need doesn't mean you're getting any of it. You have to implement the spirit of faith. And I tell you what, uh, what did you tell us? Earnestly contend for the faith. He's talking about that spirit of faith that turns you into a doer that you're not okay with just having life the way it's always been. When you are living under the spirit of faith, your life is going to look different than last year. If your life doesn't look any different than it did last year, you need to examine, is the spirit of faith moving in you or not? If your financial situation is not getting better, then I have, you'd have to question, am I moving under the spirit of faith? Why? Because we believe and therefore we speak. Let me tell you something. So many have learned the principle of confession without the spirit of faith. And so what happens, they confess, but not from a place of believing from in here. They have just regurgitating what they heard, the pastor, or what they read in Dad Hagen's book. How do you know whether or not you've got the spirit of faith? Because when everything is pushing against you, you still stand up and you talk from the inside of you. When the body feels what it doesn't like feeling, when the mind feels what is, what is uh, oppressive to it, but you still get up and you say, my God shall supply. And I mean, you just make your body get out of that bed or you just make your mind... <sighs> Uh, stand second to what you're saying. Yeah. Amen. When you don't feel like it, you get up and you just, you just get up and do it. Why? Because something on the inside of you compels you to do it. And too many times people think, that don't, don't, misunderstand, don't misunderstand me because it says we believe, therefore we speak. But he's talking about a speaking that brings results. Not a speaking that just is imitating what somebody else sounds like. Remember the Syrophoenician woman? She came up to Jesus. Now, she's a Syrophoenician. She's not a Jew. She has no covenant with God. They were licentious people. They they were known for their lifestyle. They, They lived dirty lives. I'm not talking about cleanliness. I'm talking about sinful. They called perverted things okay. And this woman comes up to Jesus. She was a Syrophoenician. And she comes up to him and she starts calling, Son of David, have mercy on me. Listen, the words are correct. And notice she's saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. And what does Jesus do? He ignores her. People will think, my gosh, what's the matter with the preacher? He can't be nice to people that have have a need. She says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the more she says it, the more he ignores her. Then she goes over to his disciples and she's following after them and trying to get their attention. So finally they come up to Jesus and they say, do something with her. So we know this. you have to wonder if she really believes son of David had mercy on me, what's she doing over there now when he didn't respond? She flipped over to who she's trying to get the attention of and goes to the disciples. 
So then he says to her, uh, I'm not sent, but to the lost, the she- to the to the house of Israel, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, I'm not sent to you. And uh, <clears throat> she said, you know, my daughter life at home grievously vexed of a devil, so she's demon-possessed. Now, you have to know something. Something's going on in that house. If she's living in her mama's house and got a devil, what's going on in that house? You understand? So, uh, Jesus wouldn't respond to her But then he starts after the disciples appeal to him. Not because she appealed. He's talking to her to fulfill the the disciples' request of him, not her request. Then he turns around and tells her why I'm not addressing you. And she said, my my daughter life at home grievously vexed of a devil. And he said, it's not meat or it's not right. It's not appropriate to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, truth, Lord. Now notice... He's now calling her a dog. Uh, You understand? She says, truth, Lord. That's not how she approached him. How did she approach him? Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David. See, he understood. You're Syrophoenician. I'm not son of David to you. You heard somebody call me that, and you're repeating and parroting, and it's not coming from your heart. It's not coming from what you know about me. You are just repeating and imitating what somebody heard, and he's trying to get, I want to hear from your heart and not from what you're imitating about what you heard somebody else say about me. You heard somebody call me that, but I'm not that to you. So that's why he's talking frankly to her because he's trying to get past this thing that she's using as a right confession. He wants to know, what do you believe about me? What do you know about me? And he said, it's not right to take the children's bread to cast the dog. She said, truth, Lord. But even the, even the dogs get to eat the crumbs under the table. Now he heard her spirit. Now he heard what she really believed. Now she's not imitating someone else's confession of him. And then what does he say? Woman, great your faith. Why? Because now I heard what you believe instead of what you heard somebody say about me. He's just, he's just trying to get to her heart. That's all he's trying to do. And sometimes it can look harsh when somebody's trying to help someone locate their heart. But if you want help, the pa- sometimes the pastor will have to say something that might be a little stinging to help you locate your heart in that situation because it's not going to help as long as you're talking out of your head. He's got to get you connected to your heart so you can get... Because why? That's where the spirit of faith flows from. Amen. We got to get you out of what you've learned in church if it's only in your head. And we got to get what do you have in your spirit about this thing? You understand? It's the spirit of faith that brings you into victory, not just simply knowing principles. It's the using of those principles. And this is why we see Christians who are part, if I could say this, of the word of faith message, turn their back on it or go under. The reason is, is because it wasn't the spirit of faith. There was an imitation of principles. The spirit of faith always receives. You understand that? Get that statement. The spirit of faith always receives. There's never a time the spirit of faith doesn't work. Now, 
We, Jesus is called the, profession, the, the high priest of our profession or the word confession. The difficulty with people in the word of faith who are simply stopping at the principle. They're not getting it down into their spirit. The difficulty is that they are confessing it, but the confession is only for one thing, to lead you to know how to act. Now listen to that. If pain tries to show up in your body, and I mean maybe it's your back or your leg or something to where it's very difficult to get up and out of your bed, now you confess, by his stripes I was healed. When you said that, now you know how to act. If you're just going to leave it as a confession, it won't do anything. Your confession is to lead you to know what action to take. Do you get that? That's why so many people say, I believe I receive my healing. I believe I receive my healing. And nothing ever gets better because they left it as a confession only without their confession dictating and pointing them to them which way to act. If I say that by his stripes I was healed, now I'm going to act like that. And then what about a financial thing? My God shall supply all my need. Now, that's the right confession to make. Now you know how to act. Now you know quit worrying. Now you know quit talking about that financial problem over dinner every time you get together with your spouse. Because you said he shall supply. Now, if you're going to say he shall supply, now you're going to have to follow that up with an action or that's a useless confession. If you do not follow that confession with an action, it's a useless confession. And the body of Christ is saying this faith stuff doesn't work. Useless confessions never have worked. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. What does the spirit of faith do? It believes, therefore it speaks with the intent of acting. Does that make sense? And that's why so many miss it because they say they believe and then they're going to confess and they don't do anything with that confession other than repeat it because it's easy to say it and do nothing. The unsaved can repeat it and do nothing. We've had politicians for years repeating it and doing nothing. Every, Every four years it's a promise of change. Is that not right? Why? Because the confession won't lead you into the doing of it. You have to act. Your confession is so that you'll know how to act. The confession is not the stopping place of your faith. You, your, your faith isn't completed just because you confessed it. That's what I'm saying. You believe, then you confess so that you'll know how to act. Well, God has abundance for us in this era. Now, are we just going to confess that or are we going to follow that up with the acting like that? If I really believe... If I really believe that he's, he'll supply all my needs, then I can follow my spirit. Amen. I can do what everybody else cautions me against doing. Yeah. But I'm telling you, it has come from in here. That's why it works when it comes from in here. But if it's just up here, you parroting and repeating it. Now, see, parrot it and repeat it until you do get it down here. Absolutely. I mean, Bubby and Bear and Nanny Cake, you know, what do they do? They heard us say words. I mean, Bubby would say, I love you more, you well, Moyer was supposed to be more. Well, that's not the proper pronunciation, but now he doesn't say, I love you, Moyer. Now he says, I love you more. Why? He imitated the word until he heard it enough to get it right. Yeah. That's what you, when you come to church, 
And your learning faith principles imitate the ones who know how to say it until you get it right, until you get it down on the inside of you. And for a time, it will be a principle to you until it lands on the inside of your spirit. Now it becomes a life. Now it becomes the spirit of faith to you. Amen. The spirit of faith believes and then it confesses with the intent of acting. And if you act under that spirit of faith, you will always receive. Always receive. Always receive. That's when the pain leaves is when the spirit of faith was employed. That's when the money comes when the spirit of faith was employed. Amen. Uh, Let me tell you, if you will be hungry, God will always put you under someone with the spirit of faith. I need someone with the spirit of faith around me more than I need a place to preach. You understand that? When my husband, well, when I got saved, I got born again. My brother had gone to Ramah uh, in the 70s, when just after the first year, year or two after Dad Hagen started Ramah. My brother was a student there. And he got hold of Dad Hagen's books and he gave them to me. Well, I wasn't saved at the time he gave them to me, so I just stuck them on my bookshelf. But the day I got saved, I remembered those books. So the day I got saved, I went and pulled those books out. I, didn't, I had never heard of Brother Hagen. I didn't know anything about it. But there was a hunger in me. And God already had food for my hunger laid up in my bookshelf. I'm telling you what, when you're sincere and genuine, God will always give you the food you hunger for. So the day I got saved, I, was, I got hooked up with Dad Hagen's ministry. I started feeding that direction. And then just within about two years, is about three years later is when I met and married my husband. And then I married a man with the spirit of faith. And then we had Dad, Dad Hagen, of course, was our spiritual father. And that spirit of faith, of course, was an example to the whole body of Christ. He wasn't a man just teaching faith principles. He was an example of the spirit of faith. And then Dr. Summerall was our pastor. And Dr. Summerall had the raw, boldest spirit of faith that was just, he'd just peel your hair back, man. And when my husband, now see, Dad Hagen went home to be with the Lord, and thankfully I still had my husband. You know, Dr. Summerall first had gone home to be with the Lord in the 90s, then Dad Hagen in 2003. Then when my husband went home to be with the Lord, the first thing I started looking for, I said, God, who do I hook up with that has the spirit of faith I need? I, need some, I don't just need a preacher. I don't just need a, someone who believes like we do. I need someone who has the spirit of faith for my life. And then God told me who to hook up and what to do with that. Why? Because I've got to have that spirit of faith. I've got to be hooked up with that. I need that flowing in. And thank God we have FOF pastors and ministers that they had the spirit of faith, but I knew there was something more for me. So God showed me who to hook up with that for that. And I, I go to wherever I have to go at times to get in his meetings. I put it on my calendar at the first of every year where this man with the spirit of faith is. Why? Because i got to make sure I'm in the atmosphere of that spirit of faith. It keeps, me, it keeps my faith sharp. It keeps my faith having momentum to it and keeps it fed. It's not about do they always preach exactly the same way or do they always believe the exact same way. It's do they have the spirit of faith. There's something about I need that sound of the spirit of faith. And I'll sit in the meetings 
of this man of God and I'll sit in the meetings and and he'll be preaching a certain direction and he's he's not even saying anything pertinent to a need I'm facing but while I'm sitting there under the spirit of faith of the man being in the atmosphere of the spirit of faith the spirit of God gives me clarity and direction for my ministry why because in the in the atmosphere of the spirit of faith you can hear your answer I don't care what the need is That's why when you come to church and you might have a financial need and your pastor gets up and he's going to preach on love, don't think you're not going to get your answer for that financial need in this atmosphere of the spirit of faith. You will hear your answer if you'll be hungry for it. If you will hear with the intent of doing. And what did Paul say about Timothy? He said there was a faith that dwelt in your grandmother. Now it it dwelled in your mother. Now it dwells in you. It was passed to you by being in the fellowship of those with the spirit of faith and you moved into it. I tell you what, there is a famine of the spirit of faith in the body of Christ. And I tell you, you have a pastor that has it. I said, you have a pastor that has a spirit of faith. Do you know how few churches in America have pastors with the spirit of faith? I'm not saying they don't preach faith. I'm saying they don't always have the spirit of faith. And there are fewer preaching faith. I tell you what, it is a priceless possession for you to have a man of God sitting in your, as your pastor that has a spirit of faith. Now there's nothing that can't be answered in your life. But it will not do for you to just stand and say, I go, I go to Impact Family Church. It's not enough to just hear the spirit of faith. It's not enough to be associated with the spirit of faith. You have to not only believe, but you have to put saying with the intent of doing at the backside of that believing. Amen. Hallelujah. We all have to make sure we're doing that. I said, we all have to make sure we're doing that. You need to take inventory. Am I doing that? Is my life showing the fruit of the spirit of faith? How do you know if it is or not? If your life, if your marriage, if your situation doesn't change it to the better than it did last year, there's not the spirit of faith moving. I didn't say you don't have it. You might not be using it. Amen. Well, listen, we all have to do checkups on ourselves. This is why people drift. They don't check on themselves. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. I will pay whatever amount of money to get around it. Your pastor did the same thing. Ed and I did the same thing. Your pastors, I think we're even in in more of Dad Hagen's uh, Holy Ghost meetings than us. But we would get in them three and four times a year. Why? Because it was worth the cost that we would pay to get there. And ideally, whenever I go and I sit in the meetings of the minister that God told me to hook up with, I take my children as much as I can. Why? Because it's not enough that I have it. They better have it. Because if I don't get the spirit of faith in my kids, it dies with me. And I'm not just trying to get it in me. I want it in the next generation. Uh, we have, we have uh, some minister friends. Your pastors were just preaching for them, the Simons in Merced. They have their two daughters and then, uh, with them, and they have their nieces. Anywhere, anytime they go to a meeting, they come in a herd. 
I mean, they come in a herd. What is there, seven or nine of, nine of them? They bring their kids, their grandkids, their nieces to every meeting. And you know it would be cheaper to leave them back at home. But it'll cost them more in the long run for their kids not to have the spirit of faith in them. If you're running the race, you need to get that same spirit of faith in you. And I would expect my kids to say, don't leave me out. I want to be in those meetings. Because for us to keep pace, listen, God has things for your pastors in this era. And you want to make sure you're keeping pace. The only way you can do that is keep the spirit of faith moving in you. Amen. We're not, when we go to these meetings, we're not trying to save money. Saving money is not our goal. Getting the spirit of faith in us is the goal. And I'll pay whatever it costs to get the spirit of faith in me. Why? Because I prize it. When you got the spirit of faith, there's no need left unanswered. Well, praise the Lord. Turn with me if you would. <clears throat> Turn with me, if you would. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Flip over just a few chapters. Second Corinthians chapter 13. And look at verse... The King James says this, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. The Amplified reads this way, examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you're holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. Test and prove yourselves, not Christ. Now, why is he saying that? Because when people don't receive, many times they'll think, well, God didn't come through for me. This faith stuff doesn't work. I know I was doing my part. Why didn't why'd God let this happen to me? This thing didn't work. This faith, this faith stuff doesn't work. What are you doing? You're testing him, and it's, it's you you need to be proven. If it doesn't work, it's not his fault. You understand that? If it's not working, it's not because he's doing it wrong. Test, evaluate, and prove your own selves. Now, this is the only place in the Word where we say, where we're told to examine ourselves. Many people take this phrase, examine yourselves, and they do it in a wrong way. They do it in a way to turn in upon themselves, to accuse themselves. That's not what he's talking about. That's where people get under guilt and condemnation and shame is when they start examining themselves outside of what the Word says to examine yourself. The Word tells you examine yourself to see whether, the the King James says, to see whether you're in the faith. Notice uh, you can have faith and not be in it. You say, can I really have faith and not be in it? Well, can you have a car and not be in it? Can you have a house and not be in it? Well, you can have faith and not be in it. You can go to a faith church and not be in it. Amen. And if you're not in it, you're not going to go where that thing could take you. So testing, evaluate, examine to make sure you're in the faith. Because every one of you have faith in you. Every single one of you have faith in you, but that doesn't mean you're in the faith just because it's in you. How do you get in the faith? We believe, therefore we speak with the intent of acting. 
You know, my dad was a cotton and wheat farmer, and he was the best farmer in the county. Everybody knew that. His land was paid completely. He started with nothing, uh, and he ended up with around 2,000 acres that he farmed. And uh, Ed Ed was driving with him one day out to the farms. Ed loved going out there and riding in the pickup, you know, and uh, Daddy would ride right through the middle of his field, you know. He liked, he liked being in charge of where he drove. When Daddy drove down the street, you know, you have a half of the street, you know, there's two lanes and you have a half. He took his half right out of the middle. <laughs> he drove in any part of the road he wanted to drive on because <laughs> he was used to driving that way across, you know, looking at his crops. Yeah. So uh, him, him and uh, Ed were driving out to the farms one day and, Daddy would have, you know, other men who owned farms across the road or whatever, and they never looked like Daddy's, never looked like his. And Ed would say, Kenneth, isn't that something? You just plant a seed and you get a harvest. Daddy said, that's not the truth. And he goes, well, you mean that's not the truth? He said, look at that man's farm over there. That thing's full of Johnson grass. He said, he's got, uh, he, he said, he's got all kinds of insects eating on his stuff. He planted a seed, but he's not getting a very good harvest. Why? He didn't take care of his seed. See, the seed of faith is in you. But just because you've got the seed doesn't mean you're going to get a harvest. You understand? You've got to do the right thing with that seed that's in you. Amen. We all have to do that. But my daddy could stand out, look over his cotton crop, and he could tell you exactly how many bales he'd get, have in that field. Before they ever take it to the gin, before they ever bailed it up, he could tell you how many bales. He was so used to examining his crops. He examined, he'd been what, over 60 years. He was used to examining his crops. He could stand out over his wheat and tell you how many bushels were out there in the field. Before it ever got into harvest. Why? Because he was so keen at examining his crops. And he was out every day checking his crops. Every, every day. Several times a day, in fact. If the wind started blowing, he'd get up in his pickup and he'd go out to his crops and make sure the, the topsoil wasn't blowing off. No matter what was happening with the weather that day, he would go out and check on it. I tell you what, if farmers that get a good harvest check on their, check on their harvest all the time, check on their field, how much more we ought to be checking on our faith? Are we in the faith examining? This isn't something you just do once in a lifetime. This isn't something you do once a year. You know what? You need to examine yourself every day. Am I in faith today? Have I been using my faith today? I appreciate one woman. She's a, 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 her and her husband are in the ministry. But they never had children. They, they ended up adopting children, but they ne- never had children uh, biologically themselves. And so uh, I said to her one day, I said, because um, I didn't know, you know, sometimes people are in the ministry and they really don't want children because they, they try, they, this was a traveling minister. And I said, I said, uh, so y'all don't have any children. Do you want any children? She says, well, she says, I hadn't been able to have children. But she says, but I believe in God to have children. And about three minutes later, I'm off conversing with somebody else. I've forgotten that statement. And I appreciate it. She came up to me and she tapped me on the shoulder. She said, you know what? i got to correct that. She said, I told you I've been believing God for children. She said, that's a lie. I haven't been believing God for my children. She said, I've just been saying that for years without believing it. Well, I appreciate that. Now, that, you, that what was she doing? She's checking herself. Because you can get in the habit of saying... 
with re- without releasing any faith, without the spirit of faith connected to it, and you're just repeating and, re- and you know, regurgitating something. And I appreciate that she was sincere enough to say, wait a minute, if I was believing God for children, I'd be having them. Yeah. That's right. Why? Because the spirit of faith always works. If you're endeavoring to believe God for something and it's not working, you're going to have to do it from the spirit of faith and not just doing it from a place of, of exercising principles. Well, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. I don't care how long we've been calling ourselves faith people. We're going to have to examine ourselves to make sure we're in the faith and put a demand on your faith life. Put a demand. I demand that my finances be different. I demand my marriage be different, that my children be different, my business be my body be different. I'm not letting my body just get worse and worse and worse and that pain get worse and worse. Why? Because if you have the spirit of faith in you, things will put, there's a halt to that stuff. Amen. And just going to this church doesn't mean you're going to make it. And me being a preacher doesn't mean I make it. You know what Paul said? He said, I keep my body under, lest after having preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Or, or one translation says, as being set aside is unusable. I tell you what, there are a lot of people that have been set aside as unusable. God loves them. They're still going to heaven, but God can't use them. Why? Because they won't, they won't hook up with the spirit of faith and use the spirit of faith. All they've, done, all they've done many times is learn to repeat principles, but there's not the spirit of faith producing fruit. You ever walked into a grocery store and you walk up over to the fruits and the vegetables? You know what they have a sign above that called produce. When you're bearing fruit, you're producing something. If nothing's being produced, you don't have fruit going on. You're not fruit bearing in your life. That's why it's called produce. You produce something. Your finances ought to produce something. Your faith ought to produce something. You ought to be producing health, producing things in your life. Amen. Well, are you helped tonight? Amen. Amen. It's not enough that we're in this new era. We can be in this era and not even being used by God in this era if we don't have the spirit of faith. What did Paul say? He said, Demas has left me for love of this present world. Notice, he's with the leading apostle walking on the earth, hooked up with a man of God that had miracles and had the spirit of faith, and he stepped away and went back into the world. Why? Because the spirit of faith was with the one he traveled with, but not in him. You can Just being hooked up to someone with the spirit of faith does not guarantee your success. You have to be a doer. You have to, you have to be a doer. You can't just admire doers. You, lo and behold, you know, I understand football's big around here. Is that true? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Have you ever noticed, you know, you've you're, you're, got college teams, but you take a professional team. And you know the thing about those professional teams? The guy down on the field, he, uh, con- win or lose, win or lose, When he comes off that field, he gets paid. When you're a participator, you get paid. When you're a spectator, you pay to be there. There's a lot of people paying in their lives because they're spectators. And they're paying for it. But you be a participator and you get paid. You understand that? You get paid in your health. 
You get paid in your marriage. You get paid in your finances. You get paid in your children when you're a participator with these principles of faith. But if you're just going to be a spectator and admire and clap, you know, just watch, enjoy the music. They all praise God. Aren't they good? Well, are you a spectator or are you a participator? Just say, listen, there are a lot of people that are very vocal. Praise the Lord. Preach it, Pastor. That's right, Pastor. That's right. Well, that's what they shout up in the stands. You can shout it, but that doesn't turn you into a participator. It's the doing. It's the doing that turns you into a participator of these divine principles. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.